How do you fix a cracked pumpkin? With a pumpkin patch. <laughs> Hello everybody and welcome to Starting Sustainability. I am your host, Kaylin Chenoweth, and this is episode 131. Woo woo! Before we get started, let's do a little catch up with Kaylin. Last episode, I had mentioned pawpaw trees, and that actually had many people interested in talking about them, and I got some great feedback. So I did learn that they do grow as far north as Michigan, but it is harder to find them. Also, you can look into your state's conservation website and possibly order them for super cheap since they are a native plant and would help with conservation efforts. So I went to Indiana's DNR website and they do have tree seedling nurseries and you can place an order starting in October, which is right now, <laughs> but you place the order now for the springtime. The website is IN, like Indiana, the letter I, the letter N, forestryx.com. I went to that website and it is currently offline right now. Said so they will be opening in October, which is right now. So, so I don't know where the disconnect is there, but it did leave a phone number to the nursery, to the seedling nursery. So I called the phone number and it went straight to answering machine. And believe it or not, the answering machine message stated that there was a high volume of calls for tree seedling ordering, which is great, but that meant that I didn't actually have any luck getting through. So even though I left a message, nobody has called me back. Then I did option number two. I went to the internet and started searching for Indiana native plants and found an Indiana native plant society. And I do know that there are native plant societies for each state. So you can find the one for the state that you live in. And the Indiana native plant society, that website led me to native plant nurseries in all of Indiana. And there's one here in Lafayette, which is really awesome. And the one here in Lafayette offers sugar maples which means I can make some maple syrup in the future if I get them. American plums, pawpaw trees, hazelnut trees, spice bush, wild grapevines, wild leaves, wheatgrass, all sorts of flowers, all sorts of bushes, lots of really cool things. I'm really excited because these are all significantly cheaper than a lot of what the other nurseries charge for their plants. Okay, update number two. The geothermal loop has been installed. We started this process. We moved into this house in April, and I'd say in May, we started getting quotes and meeting with companies and contractors and getting it figured out. But on October 4th, it was finally installed. And our yard looks like it was invaded by radioactive moles. I did put pictures up on the Starting Sustainability Facebook group, so hopefully you're able to check it out. If you haven't seen them, feel free to go to the Starting Sustainability Facebook group. And if you're not a member, send in a request to join and I'll add you in. It's as simple as that. But yes, there are dirt mounds because they had to dig an eight foot trench, lay down the loops and then fill it back in. And of course the dirt that they dug out was super compacted and the dirt that they filled it back in with was now aerated. So it was a little bit more fluffy. So now there's these big dirt mounds all the way around our yard. It's, it's huge, but the boys absolutely love the dirt mounds, which is great. They immediately climbed on top of the dirt mounds and peed because they are boys. And that is what boys do. 
<laughs> so they enjoy finding big dirt clumps and throwing them and watching them break apart. They throw them at tree stumps. They throw them straight into the ground. They throw them up against the side of the garage, wh whatever they can do. <laughs> Unfortunately, that great big dirt mound of the trench, I mean, we're talking a good chunk of the perimeter of our property, has this dirt mound trench like this line of a dirt mound that goes around our house and through half of our property in the back and I'd say it's a good two to three feet tall depending on where you're at and it has to stay there for a few freeze and thaws in order to settle it down. We were told next spring is when we could actually level it out because if we went through right now with a roller and leveled it out then in a couple of years it would actually dip down and so you'd be able to see, we'd almost basically have a second trench. It wouldn't be as deep as eight feet, but you would be able to see a nice long running divot in the yard where they had dug up the trench. So we'll just let it be and deal with the dirt mound mess, which is fine. <laughs> it just stinks when it rains because it's super muddy. So I'm really glad that I have muck boots now, but it does mean that the boys get to enjoy the dirt mounds for the next six months or so. The next step is the equipment. So the loops have been installed, but the equipment, which was basically the big holdup, when we placed the order, they said it would be almost 12 weeks. So we're waiting on that. And it should be here in the next week or so. So we are very excited. We're almost done with this mess. I told the contractors, I was like, this baby is due 11-11. This needs to be here before the baby gets here because I don't want to be dealing with this <laughs> with a newborn. I just want it to be done and over with. They are meeting their deadline. They're just coming in really tight. I also want to mention that October 1st was officially the beginning of hunting season here in Indiana. And that was for bow hunting because the gun season is only two weeks. But it was the beginning of hunting season. And so far, Channing has been able to go hunting twice and has seen a lot of deer on our property. He is excited to be hunting on our property because now he gets to sleep in a little bit. He doesn't have to drive as far. He doesn't have to worry about other hunters in the area because before he was going on public lands but now we can do it on our property because we have enough it's pretty cool that he's seeing so much this last time he saw nine doe and four bucks but because it is bow season they have to get really close and none of them were quite close enough for him to get a good shot on but he is very confident that he's gonna get one this year so fingers crossed we're rooting for you Channing Mentioned it just a little bit ago. Baby is due 11-11. Make a wish that is 26 days away. Am I ready? Because everybody always asks. And the answer is yes. <laughs> Most definitely. Please get this kid out. <laughs> I'm at the super fun part of the pregnancy where every time I cough or sneeze, I pee a little bit. This kid is kicking me in my ribs and I get to feel it all night long. It's just so lovely. <laughs> We do, however, still need to get a minivan. My car is paid off, which is what's making it tough because <laughs> I really like not having a car payment. But what stinks is that my paid off car, the trade-in for it is only $8,000. It's a 2017 Nissan Rogue. And I definitely thought I was gonna get more with all this inflation. But minivans are around forty dollars to $50,000, which is absolutely insane. It's insane. That is why we haven't gotten one yet. I just cannot wrap my brain around the price of vehicles right now. 
Therefore, I haven't really made finding a new vehicle a top priority. However, since we've only got 26 days left, it is definitely jumping up to number one on the list of our priority things. <laughs> I also mentioned on the last episode that I was really excited about having a big belly for Halloween. I wanted to do all these fun Halloween things. And everybody else also wanted to know what I have been doing or what I am planning on doing. So I'm excited to share that I already own a maternity shirt that has skeleton ribs and then a baby skeleton in the belly area. So I've been wearing that. I also found a really cute shirt where the tummy is wrapped like a mummy, like the mummy style, and there were two big eyes, so it looks like the baby is peeking out of the mummy-wrapped belly area. But I didn't want to buy, because it was a brand new shirt, and I didn't want to buy a brand new shirt, because one of my New Year's bucket list items was to only buy five brand new items of clothing for myself. Instead of buying it, I decided I was going to make it, because I'm really crafty, and I was super excited. And I did search for used white and black maternity shirts, and I gave up and basically had to cash in on my brand new clothing limit. So I bought three new plain maternity shirts with the intention of making Halloween shirts myself. And it took three days of lunch breaks to make that mummy one. And I was so excited to try it on. I did the eyeballs and then I did the painted lines to make it look like the mummy wrap. I waited four hours, touched the paint, it was dry, too excited, put on the shirt, ran to the mirror to try it on, and I saw that I had paint on my face and my neck and my hand and my elbow, and the paint was not completely dry, and I smeared it all over my shirt. That sucked. <laughs> that, that really sucked. I was really mad at myself. I'm like All I had to do was wait another couple of hours, but I was too impatient and ruined all of my hard work. So I have come up with two new plans. The next shirt is getting made by a friend who has a Cricut machine, which is a crafting machine. And in my mind, that counts as supporting local artists <laughs> because she's my friend, she's nearby, and she can do it. And that way I can kind of balance out the guilt of buying a brand new shirt for my last shirt because that leaves me with one shirt and I want to do like five different things. Instead of painting it, I'm going to get duct tape and do the artwork and the designs out of the duct tape. That way I can wear it for the day then I can peel it off and put on another design and wear that another time. And when I'm done, peel it off and that way I can reuse the shirt. And then when I'm all done, I still have a good shirt that isn't just Halloween themed. I can still wear, well, technically anybody could wear all year round, but once I give birth, hopefully I won't need any more maternity shirts. <laughs> but I could save it for the fourth kid. Yes, you heard me. We are planning on kid number four. Channing, Channing, are you listening? Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, kid number four. Already thinking about it. While we're on the topic of Halloween, let's keep going with it. Halloween is coming up. We got about two weeks. So I wanted to do a recap of different things that you can do for Halloween to stay sustainable. The first one is treats. That's kind of <laughs> the big thing about Halloween. There are a lot of different sustainable treat ideas. I encourage you to save any small little kid toys, keychains, pencils, stickers, cereal box prizes, dress up jewelry, save that stuff all year long. Have a little bag or a bowl or drawer box, something that you put them in and then on Halloween, that is what you give out. I did this last year and I got rid of so much stuff slash crap 
that people gave my kids or that my kids collected from various birthday parties or other holiday parties or just knickknacks and things from throughout the year. You know, the little tiny toys that they play with for about five minutes and then they lose interest and they don't care about it and you feel bad throwing it away because it's plastic and the plastic's never going to break down in the landfill. So then I kept them all and repurposed them as Halloween treats and it was amazing. Everything disappeared except for the stickers. Those were left in the bowl. Apparently other parents also hate stickers. <laughs> Either wouldn't let their kids take them or the kids didn't care about the stickers, I don't know. This year I do have a bag of goodies, but unfortunately we're in the country now and I don't really anticipate any trick-or-treaters. At this point I'm looking for a place that I can donate all of these items. Other sustainable tree ideas include reusable straws, pencils. Some people want to do homemade treats, but those are usually a no-go because of tampering and other people in the world being bad. Can you hear Ruger snoring? Ruger, you gotta quit snoring. <laughs> He's giving me this look of, why did you interrupt my nap? <laughs> well, you're interrupting my recording, puppy. <laughs> Where was I? Other different sustainable treat ideas include boxed raisins, or other school supplies other than pencils. Even like a packet of hot cocoa is delicious. Adults like a can of beer. <laughs> there are a lot of options. When it comes to decorations, just try to get ones that can be reused or repurposed. You can go to secondhand stores like Goodwill or Salvation Army and you can usually find some. You're not gonna find a lot, I'll tell you that. You're not gonna find a lot. But if you wanna buy some brand new ones, that's okay. Just get ones that can be reused year after year. Don't get the disposable ones or the really cheap, low quality ones that are not gonna make it past <laughs> one or two years. Get the good ones. Also with decorations, you can go all natural. You got pumpkins, corn stalks that are dried out and brown, different gourds, and we have a plethora of leaves that are changing colors and you can make beautiful little wreaths and things out of that. So it doesn't have to be Halloween specific. It can be fall themed with all the natural things that are around us. And now you're knocking out a couple of holidays, Halloween and Thanksgiving. Ta-da! In terms of costumes, you can do the same thing. Instead of buying it brand new and wearing it one time and being done, I got the kids costumes at here we grow again sale and once upon a child which is a consignment shop you can also coordinate a costume swap with friends and family who have kids about the same size and you can do this for adults also you can coordinate with your own friends and family for your own costumes an excellent resource is pinterest for homemade costumes you'd be surprised what you can make on your own Last year we did a firefighter theme and I remember for Channing, I was like, oh, okay, if I go online and I buy this adult firefighter costume, it's going to be 80 bucks on the cheap end. And then it went up from there. I'm like, or we can wear the khaki pants that he already has. He already has boots. He already has a navy blue t-shirt. The only thing I had to buy was a roll of red duct tape and I used that to make red suspenders on his t-shirt because I didn't want to go out and buy red suspenders knowing he was just going to wear them once. He has no reason to wear suspenders otherwise <laughs> and he wouldn't. He's not that kind of guy. But I could do the duct tape on his shirt. And then we just got a couple of firefighter hats because our neighbor was a firefighter so he brought home a couple of the little kid hats that they pass out at family friendly events and whatnot and brought those home for us to wear. Corbin's firefighter costume last year. I got it at the Here We Grow Again sale, so his was easy. I think I paid $5 for it. It was pre-loved, and that's fine. 
For Colt, I made him the Dalmatian, and I just took a white long sleeve shirt, white pants, colored some polka dots on them, and then I took a headband, and with construction paper, I cut out ears and attached those to the headband so he had the long ears, and we painted his nose black. His was simple. And then I was the fire. I found bandanas at Hobby Lobby for 99 cents each that had flames on them. And I just tacked them to my shirt. So I was the fire. And then I kept those bandanas. And I've used them many, many times after that to wrap up gifts. Remember that furoshiki? If you don't, we're going to get back to it come Christmas time. But that's one way that you can wrap up your gifts is using the furoshiki style of gift wrapping, which is basically just using cloth to wrap up your gifts. And bandanas are fantastic at that. And I've used those probably a good five or six times this past year alone in wrapping up gifts. So my point is when it comes to costumes, there are a lot of options. You don't have to buy brand new, use it one time and waste your money on it and be done with it or donate it. You can go find donated costumes. You can create them yourself. You can get really creative. I do encourage you to go back to episode 49 for a more in-depth <laughs> refresher about treats and decorations and costume ideas. Last up for the Halloween refresher, the Teal Pumpkin Project. I want to remind everybody about this. Teal pumpkins symbolize non-food treats are available at this house. This was started for children who have food allergies. This way they know which houses they can go to to get a treat, it doesn't always have to be a food item, just be a non-allergy food item, or it could be stickers, pencils, keychains, knickknacks, all of that stuff. And I observed at CVS, they have a Halloween section of teal pumpkin goodies, which I thought was really great, very noble, I love that. I hate that it was mostly plastic junk, but I do appreciate the effort to include the non-food items in Halloween. There was something else I was going to update everybody about. I had some follow-up questions. Oh, the sump pump. <laughs> yes, we did finally get a new battery for our sump pump. And what's really cool is that they gave us a $32 credit for recycling the old battery. That's pretty awesome. The brand new battery was $118. So the $32 was helpful. But hey, I'm, I'm still excited that we got paid to recycle. <laughs> that was pretty cool. And in terms of our garden, the garden update, there's there's not really much of a garden left at this point in time. I think it's just tomatoes that are left. I did have one butternut squash plant that survived all the squash bug infestations, which is rapidly, dramatically increasing because they are harvesting all the cornfields around us. So all the squash bugs that were nestled in the cornfields, now that the corn is getting harvested, the squash bugs are everywhere. They look like little stink bugs. So if you think you have a whole bunch of stink bugs flying in your doors, they will like hang out around the edges of your door. So when you open up your door, they just crawl on in. They will be on our clothes. I'll get in the car and there'll be three or four in there. They're freaking everywhere. So <laughs> they're super annoying. But the point is I had one butternut squash plant that survived and we were able to harvest eight butternut squash off of that. And that's really cool. So I did make one batch of butternut squash soup. I did not like the recipe. It was very spicy, even though the ingredients that were spicy, like pepper and cayenne pepper, I basically cut those to a third of what the recipe asked for, and it was still too spicy to eat. So I'm looking for another butternut squash soup recipe. But that still leaves me with seven butternut squashes. <laughs> squash? Squashes. I think it's squashes. I'm not sure. I do have them 
hanging out in our garage in a designated food storage area, and they should last about three to six months, which is pretty cool. So even though I did not get a greenhouse or root cellar going, I will still get a little bit of fresh vegetables in the wintertime. Since the gardening season is basically over and it's too late for a fall garden at this point, I wanted to look into indoor options. So that would be the main focus of today's episode is indoor gardening options. Yes, there are house plants. If I'm going to be putting in a whole bunch of effort, I want to get a reward, food. <laughs> so not just because I'm in my third trimester and I'm hungry all the time, but I generally want a reward for all of my efforts of keeping a plant alive. <laughs> Therefore, this episode, I only did research for herbs, veggies, and fruit. There are many indoor kits available, ranging from cheap to very pricey. You can do a simple windowsill herb garden or you can go really big with indoor garden towers available between $600 and $1,000. I think the most expensive one I saw was $1,200. That's insane for vegetables. That is just crazy in my mind. Some people do have space in their basement or their garage area to grow plants, but you will need grow lights to mimic sunlight. Some plants like cabbage and lettuce don't need pollinating, so they do very well inside. And if you need pollinators, then you can still try to grow the plants inside and you can pollinate them yourself by using Q-tips or you can pick a couple of the open flowers and then rub them upon other open flowers that are still attached to the plant to help pollinate that way. If you happen to have a greenhouse or the space for a greenhouse, you can still garden through the winter. This was on our list of things to accomplish before the baby came, but it didn't happen. <laughs> we basically had too much other stuff going on and that has now been moved to next year's goal list of things to accomplish. I personally have not tried indoor gardening. We did not have space at our previous house. We do have space here. I did not get set up in time. Also, there's a baby due really soon and I don't, I need to start saying no and taking things off of my plate. Therefore, this episode was really a research and learning quest for me and I just wanted to share what I found with you. So I'm not an expert, but this is the knowledge that I've gained and hopefully we'll apply it next year. But I do want to at least try fresh herbs this winter. I think I can do that. We have some windowsills and I can get herbs going and I think that's where I will have my limit for this year. During my research quest, I found an article that I was attracted to because it was all about indoor fruit trees that you can grow in your living room. And that was just eye-opening to me. I was like, yeah, you can easily do herbs on the windowsill and you can get those garden towers for your vegetables or you can do the five gallon buckets and do vegetables that way and have the grow lights. And I was kind of attuned to that, but I had no clue that you could grow fruit inside. So I found that very fascinating. This article covers nine types of indoor fruit trees and we're going to go through them right now. Number one is figs. The fiddle leaf fig, which is a very popular plant, is solely decorative. There will be no fruit on that. So don't fall victim to falsely thinking that you're gonna get figs from a fiddle leaf fig. There's no fruit there. But if you choose a different variety, like the brown turkey, that's the name of the fig plant <laughs> or the fig tree. The fig tree variety is called the brown turkey. It tolerates heavy pruning, which is where you have to basically trim off excess branches. It's a self-pollinating plant, so you don't have to worry about bringing in pollinators or doing any work on your own. It, it does it 
all by itself, and therefore it thrives indoors. The size of the pot will determine how large and how productive the tree is. So the bigger the pot that you get, the more figs you're going to be getting off of your tree. The fig tree itself prefers a soil mix of clay and sand, and you just water it once a week. Figs do prefer humidity, so it's encouraged that you mist it regularly or you have it in a bathroom where, where you get humidity from taking showers. And definitely place in a bright, light, well-lit area, either by a window, but not too close to the window. You just need the sunlight from the window. But if you're in a climate where it gets really cold, that cold temperature is going to harm all of these fruit trees. So this is this information is true for all the fruit trees. They're all going to need light either window or grow lights, and they're all going to need to not freeze. <laughs> so don't have them too close to the window. Or doors that you're going to be opening, like indoor-outdoor doors that will be opening and letting a bunch of cold air in. Okay, so fig tree is number one. Numbers two, three, and four would be lemons, limes, and oranges. So basically all of your citrus plants, you can grow them inside. You're going to want to choose a dwarf cultivator variety that self-pollinates. So Meyer lemon, <laughs> it's it's Meyer like Mrs. Meyer the cleaning products. So when they're like Mrs. Meyer lemon cleaning products, I didn't realize that like the Meyer lemon was an actual lemon until I read this article. So it's M-E-Y-E-R, Meyer lemon or Meyer lime. These don't require as much heat to ripen as the variety down in Florida. They will also yield the quickest crop and the plant will stay a pretty manageable size. You can also get, I think it's pronounced kefir, K-A-F-F-I-R, kefir, or key lime. Hmm, hello pie. <laughs> These are also good dwarf varieties for your limes. When it comes to oranges, you can look for, I apologize, I don't know if I'm going to pronounce this correctly, calamondin, C-A-L-A, cala, M-O-N, mon, D-I-N, din, calamondin trees. Now, these oranges are very sour. They're going to be very sour. These are not the sweet, delicious treat oranges. These sour oranges are great for cooking, and that's about it. <laughs> I take that back. They're good for cooking, plus they're going to be beautiful decorations, and they will give you a very nice aroma in your room, a nice citrusy smell when you walk into the room that has the tree. The best soil for citrus trees is a slightly acidic and loam-based soil, what the heck is loam? I don't know. <laughs> I had to look it up. So loam means a two, two, one sand, silt, clay ratio. But you can go and buy a bag of loam where it is just that. It's a two, two, one sand, silt, clay ratio. That's what you need. These trees also like a lot of moisture in the air, up to 50% humidity. So you either have to spritz it with water often, Place it in the bathroom. You could also put a humidifier nearby. All those would be a great way to keep it moist. And again, the citrus plants are going to need a lot of sunlight, about 8 to 12 hours. If you cannot get that naturally near a window, then you will need to get a grow light. Number five is olives. Again, self-pollinating, which is wonderful. Olive trees do not require much care compared to other fruit trees. When shopping for an indoor olive tree, Many are purely ornamental, meaning that they're not going to actually give you any fruit. They're just going to look really nice. But you can find some that will, and the varieties that you want, oh my gosh, are called Arbequina, Arbequina, A-R-B-E-Q-U-I-N-A, Arbequina, or Picheline, P-I-C-H, Pish, Peach, 
Olene, O-L-I-N-E, picheline, so arbicina or picheline. The indoor olive trees only need to be watered when the top inch of soil has dried out, so it won't be that much, and less in the fall and winter when they take a natural rest, which means if you go get one right now, it's not going to be producing throughout the fall and the winter. That's just a natural rest. But if you have them inside and the weather is warm and they only need six hours of solid sunlight each day, which is definitely doable in the wintertime in a sunny window area, you could trick it into getting olives all year round, which is pretty cool. Number six is avocados. Now, to be clear, this is very, very tough to get an indoor avocado tree to fruit, but it isn't impossible. So if you feel like you've got some skills and you want a challenge, avocados will be your challenge. Getting it to grow from seed is going to be extremely challenging. It is recommended that you get a grafted starter plant that has some tissue from a tree that does produce good tasting fruit. Naturally small trees like the Wurtz, W-U-R-T-Z, Wurtz, Gwen, and Witzel, W-H-I-T-S-E-L-L, Witzel are the best varieties. All you have to do is add some sand to the bottom of a pot and then fill the rest of it up with regular potting mix. Water it regularly and avocados like a lot of bright light. So definitely place it in a window. That's the ideal happy place for this plant and you may need to do additional grow lights. Number seven is bananas, 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 bananas. <laughs> you will specifically want a dwarf plant that produces edible fruits like a super dwarf Cavendish or dwarf red. These are self-pollinating banana plants and the banana tree soil should be light and peaty. What is peaty? You can literally buy peat moss. That's what they're talking about. And you want to fertilize it monthly to keep it growing strong. Banana plants are a little tricky because they like a lot of water, but you also have to let the soil dry out completely between waterings. So they're more of a plant designed for a flood and then a drought and then a flood and then a drought. <laughs> Bananas are a tropical plant, which means they like humidity. Again, you have to mist the leaves often, place a humidifier nearby, stick it in a bathroom, whatever's easiest, but you do need a lot, a lot of bright indirect sunlight and it is best to rotate the plant around so that way the light is getting to all sides of the plant. Number eight is apricots. So the dwarf variety of an apricot tree would be a moor park, M-O-O-R-P-A-R-K, moor park, and a gold cot, gold, G-O-L-D, cot, C-O-T, gold cot. These are recommended. These will grow about two to five feet in height, but you can keep them small if you prune them regularly. So if you just keep trimming them down, you can keep them small and manageable. These varieties do prefer a good loamy mixture, again, of the clay and the sand and the silt. And also, <laughs> they want you to mix in some compost and manure into the soil to add lots of nutrients. Water it regularly so it doesn't dry out. The apricot trees will need about six to eight hours of sunlight each day, which is, again, Pretty ideal for the winter time. And the last one, number nine, is mulberries. You can get a dwarf mulberry tree like the dwarf ever-bearing mulberry tree. And the fruit of the mulberry tree will look something like a blackberry, but a little bit smaller. And as soon as it's ripe, you pick it. And the tree's fruit supply will ripen over time rather than all at once. That's why it's ever-bearing. So it's not like a one or two week season of fruits and then you're done like the mulberries produce for a long time. 
which is why it's called Everbearing. I do have mulberry trees in my yard <laughs> and I can vouch that they started producing in the spring and they kept producing most of the summer. A good three, four months of mulberries were coming down, which was awesome. Careful when you do eat the berries, they're a very deep purple and they will stain your fingers, which is fine. Just, just know that you're gonna have purple fingertips. For the dwarf indoor variety of mulberries, regular potting soil is fine. Regular watering is what they need. And again, you're gonna want some sunlight as much as possible. Am I going to start fruit trees inside right now? I'm motivated, but I'm gonna tell myself no. <laughs> I'm just gonna stick with the indoor herb garden. Start there and then add in vegetables. And then I can probably take on indoor fruit trees next year or the year after. But right now I just am gonna focus on the new baby coming and some herbs. I think, I think that's plenty for now. How about you? What are you gonna work on? Are you gonna do any indoor gardening this year? You still got a little bit of time to whip it up. You can. It's time for the weekly challenge. I am all out of the little challenge cards from the gift that I got from my niece, Emily. But I did create a challenge for this episode. Halloween is going to be here soon. You got about two weeks. Now is the time to start thinking about how you can decorate sustainably. Create a costume by repurposing what you have. And what are you going to pass out for goodies that is sustainable? That is my challenge to you. Try to make your own Halloween as sustainable as possible. The next episode is going to come out on October 31st, which is Halloween. What are we going to talk about? Some Halloween stuff. <laughs> I'm not quite sure exactly what I'm going to do yet, but I've got a few ideas up my sleeve. I am really excited about it. So please tune in on October 31st for the Halloween episode of Starting Sustainability. Until then, continue saving the world, Sustainer Nation, and I will talk to you all again on All Hallows' Eve on Spooky Day. <laughs> Have a great one. Bye. Welcome to the Realistic Sustainability Podcast, a guide to greening your life. Each week, we will explore sustainability concepts and what we can do to reduce our family's carbon footprint while growing our positive footprint. This show supports step-by-step -step progress without those extreme jump-all-in measures. So join us on Anchor or your favorite podcast platform and subscribe today.